Sounds great. We're live? Awesome. You guys rock. You are the best. All right. Brother C, will you pray for us when we get started, brother? However you want to, sir. Whatever you feel comfortable with. Father God, we thank you for this awesome day and this great week you've given us. We pray over Pastor Josiah as he brings your word, the word. And God, we pray over the people of this house. We pray blessings and prosperity over them in your name. Amen. 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 Whew. How's everyone doing tonight? Doing good? I'm feeling good. I'm glad you guys are here. It's the summertime. Woo! Everyone having a good summer so far? Yeah? Kids, you got to be out of school for a little while? Oh, I, I, know, I know Coda looks tired. I saw him in here earlier working with you, working the boys hard. But I'm, I'm glad you guys are here with us today. Um, y'all bear with me. I have a horrible headache right now, so I'm praying this goes away. Last night was, was kind of rough. If y'all saw on my Facebook, I, kinda, I got attacked by like 20 people. It, it was tough. And I didn't sleep much last night because, and this is really what led me. I just started putting this lesson together today because I was just praying for our nation. I was praying for my generation. Y'all, we live in a world that hates holiness. We live in a world that hates standards. They hate them. They don't want to be held to a standard. They don't want to be told there's a standard you have to live by. And guys, these were Christians mainly attacking me. People who profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, these were the main people. And I was up. I was up late. I think that's why I have this bad headache today, because, you know, you don't get much sleep with the baby anyways. And I was just up late last night praying, y'all, heavy on my spirit. And that's why I think it's so crucial. I'm not going to hear yell at you. I told you I'm not a yelling preacher that's going to yell holiness at you. But we need to understand that God is holy. And why is it important that we pursue holiness? Because he is a holy God. And if we as Christians are not pursuing holiness, then we're completely out of the order that he ordained for us to be in as believers. And so I'm excited to talk about this topic tonight. It's, it's going to be a scripture. I always say this, and y'all probably like Josiah, everything you do is scripture heavy. But this is mainly going to be us reading Bible passages tonight, because what better to show the holiness of God than his holy word? All right, we're going to start off with a, there it goes, working. We're going to start off with a couple quotes. All right, this is Henry C. Uh, Thyssen. All right, this is the holiness of Yahweh. God is holy means that he is absolutely separate from and exalted above all his creatures and creation. And he is entirely separate from all moral evil and sin. All right, we see God is fully separate. A.W. Tozer writes, Holy is the way God is. To be holy, he does not conform to a standard. He is that standard. Do we understand that? God is the standard. He is the standard of holiness. Because he is holy, all his attributes are holy. That is, whatever we think of as belonging to God must be thought of as holy. God has made holiness the moral condition necessary to the health of his universe. We understand that when people are pursuing holiness, the world looks like a whole different place. And I think, and I've talked about this, but the church, we, we really went awry about 40 years ago when the church stopped pursuing holiness and stopped preach holiness. Look at the society of America today. And it started with the church. When the church stopped preaching holiness and started welcoming in the whole seeker-friendly gospel where we're not going to tell you about sin, we're just going to tell you about the good aspects and life isn't hard, life's amazing and prosperity gospel, that's where we really went astray. And that is where we've really struggled in the American church is preaching on holiness. R.C. Sproul writes, God alone is holy in himself. The word holy is used as a synonym for his deity and calls attention to all that God is. It reminds us that his love is holy love. His justice is holy justice. His mercy is holy mercy. His knowledge is holy knowledge, and his spirit is holy spirit. Are we understanding that all these great theologians are saying the same thing? God is holy, and everything that he does, every single one of his attributes are holy. They're purely set apart. He doesn't have any bias besides holiness. The only thing he is doing is holiness. We see that, right? It's all holiness. It's all set apart. It's all distinct and different from everything else. Elmer Towns writes, Holiness is the first description that comes to our mind when we think of God, and maybe one of the most difficult attributes to completely understand and define. I know that's right, y'all. 
Holiness is a hard word to fully, what does he say? Completely understand and define. Why? Because it's set apart. It's so different and distinct than anything we know in this world besides his love we experience. And so it's hard for us as human beings to completely grasp and understand this term of holiness. And I also think that's why some pastors have shied away because they tried to preach it and they tried to preach it and it just wasn't sticking with people because it was so hard for people to grasp they kind of just went away with it. And what happens when you go away with something, people forget about it. And majority of younger generations have never even been taught this standard of holiness. God is holy and apart from everything that is sinful. Sin is anything outside the nature of God. And I love that. I love that final sentence. Sin is anything outside the nature of God. Do you understand that? Because God is purely holy. And if you're doing something contrary to what God himself would do, the way his nature is, his stature is of holiness, that's sin. Anything outside of the nature of God. And so I think we see with those four theologians, very well-known theologians, they're all saying the same thing. And y'all, these are all pastors and theologians from different denominations. And they're all saying the same exact thing about God. He is set apart. He is holy. Yahweh is unique among the gods. He's the creator God. Elohim of Elohim, king over all gods. And remember, the past five weeks we've been talking about lowercase gods, these deities, these entities that rule within the spiritual realm on the earth. Psalms 95, 3-5. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. The depths of the earth are in his hand, and the mountain peaks are his. The sea is his. He made it. His hands formed the dry land. So what does that say? He's a great king above all the gods, right? He's unique. He's above all of them. He's separate from all of them. While there are other, these other spiritual beings, these other spiritual entities that are considered lowercase gods because they are divine from the heavens, he is the king over all. He's the king over them. He is unique among the gods. Let's look at Psalms 96, 1 through 9. It's not going to be up here on the screen. I just have it right here. So if you would like to turn to your Bible real quick, you can. Psalm 96, 1 through 9. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim his righteousness from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and is highly praised. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of, pe- of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let the whole earth tremble before him. So what is this doing? This, putting, this is putting him on a position, on a pedestal above, above all other gods, above all of creation. This is putting Yahweh, the God of Israel, above every other of these lowercase gods. He is unique. He is the creator God. All of creation was formed by his hands. Psalms 97, 1 through 9. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coasts and islands be glad. Clouds and total darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness. All the peoples see his glory. All who serve carved images, those who boast and worthless idols will be put to shame. All the gods must worship him. Zion hears and is glad. Judah's villages rejoice because of your judgment, Lord. For you, Lord, are the most high over the whole earth. You are exalted above all the gods. Are we seeing the picture here? Are we seeing the picture that Yahweh is above all everything? He is above everything. He's the creator God. Everything was formed from his hands, even the other lowercase gods. And I, I really, I suggest this week that you take those four passages and you just ponder on them this week. Ponder on them this week. Really meditate on them. Read through them. Pray on them. Because I feel like sometimes we forget just how holy God is. And how high God is. And y'all, I'm just going to be honest. One thing that really makes me cringe in modern churches today is how they call God Papa. And they just, they call him Papa. And to me, yes, he is our father. He is God our father. 
But when we make it so informal with him, where he is a holy and righteous God. And it tells us to come before him in fear and trembling. Why? Because we are supposed to be in awe of his holiness, of his greatness. And we're going to read in a minute a couple passages about his throne room and about his glory. And for us just to make it so informal, yes, he is our father. Amen? He's our father. But for us just to bring it down to that level, it's a little bit disrespectful to me because he is a holy God. And he is so far above us. And I feel like in the church we've, re- we've lost that respect. We've lost that awe and reverence of God because, y'all, the church does not fear God today. It doesn't fear God. And that's why we see so many people just living however they want to because there's no fear of the Lord in their lives. Exodus 15, 11 through 13. All right, this is the song of Israel. They've come out of Egypt. The people have come through the Exodus, and this is, the, this is their song they sing to the Lord. And we're going to pick up in, in verse 11. Lord, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. Now, every time the Israelites, every time God punished them, why? Because they turned from holiness and they turned to worship other gods. They turned to live lifestyles that were outside of the order of holiness. And while right now we are not directly seeing the wrath of God, we are seeing it in our nation, the fact that God is releasing us from his moral code. And he's saying, okay, you wanted this so bad, go for it. Go for it. And that, y'all, do y'all understand in the modern church today, we have more people turning to the New Age Christianity and liberal Christianity more than any other form of Christianity in America? Literally, look at the statistics, look at the churches, look at churches that are growing so much further than others. They are churches that are outside of the order of God. They are churches that are fully tolerant to any type of lifestyle. And listen, I'm not just talking about homosexuality. I feel like in churches, that's the only sin we ever talk about sometimes is homosexuality. I'm talking tolerant of all living. Heterosexual couples who are living together outside of marriage, having premarital sex, telling them it's okay to live that way. People who are off drinking and doing drugs every week and they're coming to church and they're telling God just, that's fine. That's fine. God, God accepts you that way. Now, don't get me wrong. God loves sinners. I'm going to tell you that now. That's why he calls out to us to come home. He is true home. This world is not home and he calls us to himself. But God is not just going to allow you to live however you want to live. Why? Because he's a holy God. He's fully set apart from sin, fully set apart from this world and this is the song the Israelites sang, and it's sad because the next couple of chapters, they turn right back. But what, what are they saying in this? Who is like you among the gods? Why are they saying this? Because, the, yo, they lived in Egypt. Egypt had plenty of gods, plenty of gods. They saw it happening. They saw it functioning. And what does it say? You are glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders. You stretched out your hand and the earth swallowed them. What's he talking about? The Egyptian army, right? They came through the Red Sea and God closed it up on them. Could you imagine seeing that? Could you imagine just being all of the God? First off, he split the sea for you. Could you imagine that? Literally the ocean opening up and you're just walking on dry ground straight through it. And then, he, then they worship him for closing it up. But then it says, with your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. What does that say for us? Y'all, he's leading us. If we are faithful to him, he, he has redeemed us and he is leading us. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. What else is that saying? Y'all. We're not doing this journey of holiness alone. What does the scripture say? You will guide them to your holy y'all. He's guiding us. He's there with us. He didn't say be holy and I'm not going to help you get there. It's a, it's a standard we are striving towards. This, yeah, and this is Yahweh's heart for humanity. This is Exodus 34, 6 through 7. Y'all, at this point, the people are terrified of Yahweh. Why? Because they've seen wonder after wonder, and some of it was against them because they rebelled and rebelled and rebelled. But then, let's see, what what does it say? What is his heart for the people? Verse 6, the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. That's not what the world tells you God is. The world tells you God is angry, he, he's mad at you, he just wants to unleash his wrath. But what does this say? The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. That's a good God right there. 
He's not just the God of wrath. He's not just the God that's after you, wanting to send you to hell. He maintains faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Wow, a thousand generations. A thousand generations. Y'all, that, that, that's a lot of people. That's to the faithful, to those who are faithful to him. He will maintain faithful love to a thousand generations. Y'all, that's your children. When you are faithful to the Lord, that goes down to your children. If you're not faithful to the Lord, they see that. And we're about to see what happens, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished. Why? Because he's a holy God. He's a holy God. He upholds a standard. Bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. So what do we see about God? He's a good God, but he upholds the standard. If you're living outside of the standard willingly, yo, who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the Israelites. He's speaking to his chosen people. So this is a message to the church, right? This is now I'm not, y'all, I'm not talking just to the world. This is a message to the church. So what is he saying? If you are faithful, I will be faithful to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he would not leave the guilty unpunished. So that means we as the church have to be careful about the way we live that we seek holiness. And I feel like this is one of the, the biggest misconceptions about holiness is the holiness of God is beautiful. It's beautiful. Why? Because we live in a world full of evil and wickedness, and we see horrible things every day. Y'all, the news literally breaks my heart. Now, I know there are a lot of good things happening in our world, but the media doesn't share that. The media doesn't share that. They share the most horrible things you could possibly find. Why? Because they want people living in fear. Why? Because the more people live in fear, the more they're going to watch the news, and the more money the news systems make, and the media, you know, the more money they make. But listen, we see horrible things every day. But we can rest assured that we have a God who is completely and utterly removed from such things. He's purely good. So while we're stuck in this world and we experience evil and these horrible things that we go through, our families go through, we lose people, these horrible things that happen in our lives, we can rest assured that our God is a good God. And he's completely and utterly removed from the things. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he's never changing. He's been the same since the foundations of the world. He's been a good, compassionate, gracious God. And my favorite thing is slow to anger. Why? Because, y'all, I have been really stupid in my life. And it proves to me that he is slow to anger. Why? Because I'm standing before you today as your senior pastor. And it shows that he is slow to anger. And, y'all, I think sometimes we jump to conclusions because of our own, our own condemnation and our own guilt we judge ourselves so heavy, we're assuming that God is judging us the same as that way, as heavy in that moment. But what does it say? He's slow to anger. And it also says he knows where we come from. We're from the dust. We're mortal human beings. We're fickle. We're fleshly. We live in a sin-filled world. And he is slow to anger. He's the father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And I, y'all, that's talking about his glory. He's the father of lights. Glory and splendor are before his throne. Think about when Moses went before the Lord and he came down and he literally had to cover his face because he was radiant with the glory of God. Anytime we see angels in the scripture, they're usually glowing and people are horrified. Why? Because they were in the presence of the almighty God. So while this is the unseen realm and we're dealing with things we cannot see like the holiness of God, we do see examples where people, human beings, And angels were literally in the presence of his holiness and his glory. And they came out glowing, radiant as the sun. So while this is a spiritual concept, this is physical as well. Where you can experience the glory of God. Now, some people get a little crazy in this and we're not going to deal with all the crazy thought presses of this. But how amazing is that? That we have examples that people, when you enter into the presence of God, he is so holy and so glorious that you leave literally glowing as radiant as the sun. And you do understand the book of Revelation, when it talks about the new Jerusalem and the new earth, there will no longer be sun or moon. The glory of God will literally radiate the entire earth. The glory of God will then be the sun and will illuminate the entire earth. How amazing is that? To me, that, that's just that's mind-boggling. It's so hard to even grasp that sometimes. Psalm 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Faithful love and truth go before you. How amazing is that? Our king, the king of kings, his throne is literally the foundation is righteousness and justice. 
I know sometimes, y'all, terrible things happen in this world and we're wondering, God, why? Why would you allow evil? First off, we live in a free world, so evil's going to happen. God's not a dictator. He's not standing here saying, all right, nothing can happen, y'all. If that were the fact, we wouldn't have free will. We, we humans have caused this through our own sin, through our own wickedness. That's what has caused why the earth is the way it is. And y'all, if God stopped everything, there would be no free will. And why is there free will? Because he wants us to choose him. It's a choice to follow the Lord. But the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. Faithful love and truth go before him. That's the God we serve. And that's why holiness is so, is so beautiful to me. And it's such a hard concept that I would literally have to do a whole series on to even touch it. That's why I'm just kind of doing it broad tonight. Because I want you guys to take that packet and to really ponder on it this week. Because, y'all, I'm going to continue to preach about holiness and it's not going to stop. Because we're going to deal at the end of this PowerPoint the way the world is going and how we literally see Scripture being fulfilled right before our very eyes. And the world's going to continue. I keep telling people, y'all, don't be surprised. The world's going to get worse before it gets better. It's going to keep getting worse, and it's going to keep getting worse. So what does that mean? We as believers have to pursue the standard of holiness like never before. And we talked about how that's a choice and how it's applicable aspects you can take. You don't just wake up one morning radiating saying, I'm holy today. It's a process, and you strive towards holiness. Listen, every decision you make is a decision towards holiness or away from holiness. Last night when I was being attacked on that Facebook post, y'all, I wanted to rage sometimes. I wanted to go off. But you know, it's funny, I had been praying. I said, King Jesus, give me opportunities to put your teachings into practice. And you know what? He did that, just not the way I thought he was going to. So when we're persecuted, when we're mocked, when our names are slandered and lied about, we are to be considered blessed for his namesake if we handle ourselves in the proper way. But we as Christians have to be careful about how we walk. Paul writes about this. He says, be careful how you walk in these evil days. Be wise with the time you have. And we have to be wise walking in these final days to make sure that we are walking in holiness and we are intentional to walk towards holiness. And we've talked about this. I was talking to Pastor Charlie earlier. Y'all, look at the way I'm dressed. I look like I'm ready to go to like Hawaii or something. Obviously, when I'm talking about holiness, I'm not talking about outward appearance. If I was, I'd probably be wearing a suit and tie right now, right? Holiness is the posture of your heart. It's the posture of your heart. And what were, the, what were those quotes saying about God? He is holy, fully holy. Everything he does is holy. He is holy. He is the standard of holiness. We are meant to strive towards him. He never changes. His attributes are everlasting. He is holy, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations. He's our protector, provider, refuge, strength, and avenger. I'm sure I could go on forever, but that's just the list. I was, I was praying and just contemplating the holiness of God, and that, that's what was laid on my heart. But I'm sure we could add a million more things to that list. But guys, that's our God right there. I want Here, sir, if you have a pen, circle that in your packet, because I want you to ponder that, because some of us, y'all, we get caught up. Life is hard sometimes. And we get so caught up in where we are dealing with ministry, getting caught up in the aspects of ministry, doing these things for God, but not really delving into who is God. What is my relationship like with him? And guys, when we fully focus on the holiness of God, a lot of these petty things in the world are, are just going to slide right off of us. They're going to slide right off of us. I want you to ponder this and pray over this. And if you need him thoroughly to act in one of these ways in your life right now, pray for him to be that to you right now. Pray for that. Because, guys, I'm telling you, in each season, he's going to reveal new attributes to you in each season, in each one. I should have added healer on there. Add healer on there. Should have added that. You see, there's coming to me more. coming to me now. I'm looking at the list, just adding more. Because he is all these things and more. And that is our God. And that is why he says, don't worry. Don't be filled with anxiety. I got you. And, that, and that's why I keep texting people, anyone in the congregation who's going through a hard time. God's got you. Y'all, he's got this. He's got this. And he's got this church. And if this church will really delve into God, into the depths of his richness and his glory and his holiness, and if we pursue holiness, y'all, our lives are going to look completely different. This church is going to look completely different. But we have to set the standard and we have to uphold the standard. And in order to understand holiness, we have to understand God. I understand that's a grandiose task, but we have to set out to understand who is this God I serve. Because if not, you're serving a God you don't know. And that's not possible. We have to know him. We're going to read a couple passages about the throne room of God. Guys, the reason we're covering this is because we're, we're covering the glory and the holiness of God. 
And I really want us to just be in awe of him. And I, I know this isn't like, oh my gosh, this, this is an amazing lesson. But the reason I'm doing this is because I want you to ponder on this. Because he's been working on my heart all week. He's been working on me all week over this stuff. Just delving into his glory. And the song, a song, it's called Still Holy by Maverick City Music. You should look it up if you get the chance and listen to it. Still Holy by Maverick City Music. I've been listening to that on repeat. And it's literally dealing with God is still holy. It never changed. It's never changed. And we have to focus in on the holiness of God. All right, I'm going to read all of Revelation 4. It's only 11 verses. After this, I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it. The one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone, a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. All right, y'all, just close your eyes and even try to imagine that. Just, right, because John is doing his best to put into words what he's seeing in this vision, right? He's doing his best in human words to really attribute this. And I feel like sometimes it's just good when we're reading these things about the throne room of God, just to close our eyes and really picture being there. Put yourself in that spot of what it would be like to see that with your very own eyes, the glory of God. And around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes. With golden, with golden crowns on their heads, flashes of lightning and rumbling and peals of thunder came from the throne. And guys, why is that? Because it's showing the power of God. Around his throne, flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder came from the throne. Now just imagine looking up at the throne and you just see these massive storms, lightning striking everywhere. Why? Because it's showing that he's a powerful God. He's a mighty God. He commands these things. You know, these huge natural storms that could completely wipe out the earth, he commands them. And around his throne are these huge storms just flashing lightning to show why? His power. He's showing John his power, that he's worthy to be praised. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass similar to crystal was all before the throne. All right, close your eyes again and ju just imagine what that would even look like leading up to the throne. And that right there is symbolizing purity. It's pure. It's holy before the throne of God. Nothing impure, right? Because things that are impure are not crystal clear. They're not clear to be shown. It's showing the purity before the throne of God that nothing, nothing impure comes into his throne room because he is holy. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were around the throne on each side. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. All right, we, we covered this. We covered this, and I believe it was week four or week three. We talked about the living creatures. But more important than that, right, it's not so much important about what beings they are. It's the fact that God has these mighty warrior beings all around his throne room. That's how mighty he is, that these beings worship him day and night. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy. And guys, the reason that they say holy, holy, holy is because it's the perfect trinity. All three parts are holy, 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 Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So they cry out, holy, holy, holy. Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. How amazing is that? That's his throne room. That is his throne room. These amazing sights that he first sees, but then he sees all these beings and these saints in heaven crying out before the throne of God day and night. Day and night. Daniel 7, 9 through 10. As I kept watching, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white like snow and the hair of his head like whitest wool. His throne was flaming fire. Its wheels were flaming fire. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from his presence. Thousands upon thousands served him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was convened and the books were open. Wow. 
Seriously, guys, I'm telling you, when you go to ponder this in your private time, read this and then just close your eyes. Ponder these words. Just read them and read them because, y'all, that is the God we serve. He's the same God today as he was then. Mighty and holy and glorious, worthy of all praise and honor. All things will be judged by the standard of holiness in the end. And guys, this, this is really what's, this is what's been on my heart is, yes, if you're a believer, your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. You're covered. But we still have to understand that Jesus says everything you do say will be held in account. And you will have to answer for what you do and what you say and what you think. And the standard that he's judging by is the standard of holiness. Because everything he does is holy. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. I also saw the dead, the great and the small standing before the throne and the books were opened. That's heavy, y'all. The whole earth has passed away. Everything has passed away. And now it's just God and all of creation, all of humanity. And did you notice where it says the great and small? Everyone, everyone who's ever lived. You want to see justice? You're going to see justice in the last day. Hitler will answer for what he did. Stalin, y'all, these dictators, these rulers who terrorized people, mass genocide. And that, what does it say? The great and the small. The greatest figures of history, the most evil people of history will answer for what they did. And we will be there. We will be there before the throne of God. Another book was opened, which, was, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their, to their works by what was written in the book. What does that say? And the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books. Then the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and, the death, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each one was judged according to their works. What, y'all, what is that showing? Every human being, every soul that has ever lived in this last judgment, in this last judgment, of all souls, will give an account. And what has it said twice? According to their works. According to how you lived your life. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And y'all, that, that's just a very surreal, surreal passage. And I don't read that, oh, look what's going to happen. No, that's horrifying. And that is our God. And when I talk about there being no fear, no reverence in the church today, pastors don't talk about this. Pastors don't talk about what's to come. And listen, people, people say, and sometimes may, maybe I am zealous. I am zealous. I'm zealous for the word of God. I'm not afraid to say that. I'm passionate for the word of God. But people say sometimes, oh, Josiah, you, you, have, to be, you have to be softer when it comes to the standard of holiness. Listen, I don't judge the world. They, they don't know any better. Why? Their eyes are blinded. They don't know any better. They can't see. But when a brother or sister in Christ is willingly living in sin, I have to say something. Why? Because if I know, listen, Christians, if you know there's someone in your life who claims to be a Christian willingly living in sin and you don't say anything, you are going to have to give an account for that. You are going to have to give an account for that. And we say, oh, the Bible says not to judge. Did you know the Bible never says that? No. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, be careful how you judge. Be careful the standard you judge and the measure you use to judge because you will be judged that same way. Scripture doesn't say not to judge. Scripture says before you try to point out someone else's sin, what did Jesus say? Pull the log out of your eye before you try to pull the twig out of your brother's. Scripture never says do not judge. Scripture says be careful when you do talking to other believers. Now judging, listen, y'all, I'm not talking about, "Uh, did you see her? Oh my God, look what she was wearing. No, I'm saying if a brother or sister is living in sin, you point out that sin and you bring them back to a right standing with the Lord. Scripture, scripture clearly talks about bringing your brothers and sisters back and talks about the reward given. Scripture never says do not judge. Scripture says be careful when you judge because if you are living outside, if you are living in this standard, you're judging at this standard, where you're living is going to be judged here. And you have to answer to that. So believers, if someone in your family is claiming, I'm saying claiming to be a believer, not non-believers, claiming to be a believer or a friend or someone you know is claiming to be a believer and you know for a fact they are living outside of the order of God, outside of the will of God, 
It is up to us to maintain and uphold a standard of holiness. In love. In love. I'm not saying you're going around screaming at people. And definitely, if you're living in sin, don't say a word. But it is up to us to uphold a standard of holiness. He is holy, and therefore his justice and judgment is according to the standard of holiness. This is why we have been given the charge to live a life of holiness as he is holy. Holiness is the standard by which we will be judged. Especially for us serving in ministry. Especially for us serving in ministry. That, y'all, that's anyone, that, that's if you're volunteering in the ministry, which I hope you are. If you're volunteering in the ministry, you're a leader in the church. God holds you to the same standard as me. You're leading. You're a leader of people in the church. There's a question we all have to ask ourselves. Were we set apart unto God and different than the world or were we not? That, y'all, that's a question we have to ponder. I know this is a little bit heavy, but this is what's been weighing on my heart in this day and age. And it breaks my heart that, that this is so prevalent right now. But this is the question we have to ask ourselves because, guys, the world is sucking people in so fast. And, and, and it's no longer I'm a Christian. It's I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, and then I'm a Christian. We compartmentalize our faith. And we say, well, I'm this, and I'm this, I'm a patriot, and I'm, I'm this, and I'm this, I'm this, and then I'm a Christian. But our Christianity is supposed to be all-encompassing of everything we think, everything we do, everything we say. We are seeing Scripture come to pass before our very eyes. And this is what's heartbreaking to me. And this is just last night just proved it to me more and more. Large, the people of the world, they hate God. And we, we know that. We know the world hates God. And it's crazy because Islam isn't judged for what they believe. And they are way more radical than Christianity. But Christianity is judged for everything we say and do. A Christian wants to uphold a standard of modesty and you get attacked. An Islamic man tells a woman they have to cover themselves from head to toe and nothing's said. And it's just, the world hates God. Why? Because Islam is not a true religion. It's a false God. Christianity is the true God. So what? The enemy is attacking the true God. A large portion of the people in churches hate the holiness of God and only love the God they have created in American society. And that's a hard truth, but y'all, that's a sad truth. And not every church who claims God is a real church. And you're probably saying, Pastor Josiah, oh my goodness, how dare you judge people? Y'all, Scripture tells us to test the spirits and to test the fruit. If the spirit of that church is not the Holy Spirit, then it's not a church. If that church is producing no fruit whatsoever, then it's not a church. 2 Timothy 3, 1-7. But know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That stands out to me. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's why I preach that sermon. Do what makes you holy, not what makes you happy. Verse 5, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Wow, is that, is that, is that the church today? Verse 5, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid these people. Verse 6, for among them are those who worm their way into households and deceive gullible women, overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. And guys, he's talking about the church. This passage is about the church in the last days. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. Y'all, we have to pray for our country. We have to pray for the younger generation and the younger generation. And church, we got to stand up. And listen, I'm not saying this to be mean. Do y'all, do y'all understand? This is scripture. I li- what do I do anytime I talk to you guys? I read scripture. 
That's what I do every single time. I, do, I read the Bible, and I have people attacking me, and I'm like, why are you attacking me? This is what the Bible says. I, I conform my thoughts to the Bible. Why? Because the Bible tells me any thought that is outside of Christ, outside of the will of Christ, to take that and to conform that to the will of God. And we live in a culture where it's all emotions. It's emotions and feelings, and they, don't, they twist the word of God to fit their emotions for that day. And they don't study the Bible. They take it and they twist it, and Scripture is clear what happens to people of that nature. I'm not going to get into that. But Christians, we have to be careful in these last days. We have to be very careful how we walk, who we listen to, what pastors we listen to. Make sure they're preaching the word of God above all else. Not opinions, not emotions, not thoughts, but the word of God. And I know I'm scripture heavy, but we as Christians need the word of God more than ever before. We live, we live in a society of Christianity that are completely biblically illiterate. If you were to turn to the Bible and ask them what a passage means, I can almost guarantee you they would have no idea how to expound upon that passage. That's horrifying. Because if we claim to be a Christian, y'all, we have to know the Word of God. We can't, we can't say, uh, I know a little bit. God, we are meant to pursue this and pursue a life of holiness. And it breaks my heart because that's, that's just not the day and age we live in right now. But God is going to move. I know he is, but we, I keep saying this, it starts with us. It starts with Crossroads pioneering a movement of God in our community. Let's not get so caught up in the wickedness of the world that we forget where we are. And that there are people a couple miles down the road right across the street that need us. And they need to see people holding themselves to a standard of holiness. Why? Because God is holy. This isn't about me. This isn't about you, Pastor Charlie. This isn't about you, Miss Jackie. Pastor Betty, Aunt Dawn, it's not about you. It's about other people. And that is a problem. We've gotten so caught up in the me-centered gospel that Jesus came for me and everything is for me and me and me. But Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow him. And what does that mean? That means you, you give away your things you care about in life. If, if it's contrary to the gospel, you give it up to follow him. You do understand that when Jesus was calling people to follow him, this man said, let me go bury my father first. And Jesus said, no, follow me. Like what, Jesus? Like crazy stuff. This man said, let me go say bye to my family. No, follow me. The call to follow Jesus is so much more intense than you just showing up at a Bible study or something. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about the Christian church. It's so much more in-depth, and there's so much more to God than we have let people experience. I don't know if y'all saw on my Facebook, but hopefully, hopefully, my friend, his name is Stone, hopefully he'll come on Sunday. He hasn't been to church, I think he's had like 10 years. And you know what? He had a horrible experience with the American church. Horrible. He went to a Baptist church as a kid. Horrible experience. Just terribly mean to him. I said, you know what? I'm sorry you had that experience, but I'm not going to apologize because not all churches are that way. I said, you know what? Come, come, Come to my church on Sunday. I said, I can't promise anything, but I truly do believe you'll experience God in a new way. And we as the American church have to do better. We've got to let God move. We've got to get back into the scripture. We've got, we've got to get away from entertainment. We've got to get into the word of God. And you don't need a pastor giving the most amazing sermon in the world to get excited. You just need Jesus. Jesus is enough. I know I'm never going to be a famous man. I know I'm never going to be a wealthy man. But Jesus is enough. We have to get to that point in our lives where I want you also to ponder 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7 and 4, 3 through 4. Look at the world. We don't want to be that way. We don't want to let the world carry us into that way of thought. We serve a holy God. And scripture clearly states he expects us to pursue holiness. Does scripture not say that? Did I not preach a whole sermon on that? How before the foundations of the world we were chosen to be holy. Before the world was created, y'all, the foundations, the very core of the earth, before it was even founded, before God ever spoke into existence, he had chosen us to be a people of holiness. To be in the world, but not of the world. So my heart is heavy doing this. And yes, this is a part of the unseen realm, but it's super applicable to the day and age we live in. Why? Because we've talked about why the world is the way it is. The past five weeks have been leading up to week six to talk about the holiness of God and how we are to uphold the standard in a wicked world. 
And I even said on Sunday, y'all, it takes one person. It takes one righteous person. We don't have to give up. We don't have to be so overwhelmed to think we can't do anything. Sometimes all it takes is one person, and God will move like we've never seen before. And y'all, I believe, I'm telling you, I believe this is the church in this region that God wants to use. I do. Not because of me, but y'all, every Sunday I see the light bulb going off on some of y'all's heads every Sunday. And I see a recommitment to the Lord in your lives to pursue him deeper in his word, to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through your lives. And I see it. I see the switch flipping in so many people. Some people who weren't sold out before are becoming more and more sold out for the gospel. And there's a shift happening in the atmosphere. But for it to truly take root, we have to pursue holiness. And we have to seek God like never before. And y'all, listen, we have to pray like never before. Prayer has always been one of my greatest weaknesses, if I'm being transparent. For some reason, I could never get past the 15-minute mark. I'll be in prayer, strong for 10 minutes. Those last five minutes, I'm dragging this thing. I know I'm done. All right, God, today, and I'm not saying you have to do a set prayer time. No, I'm not saying you got to do an hour a day. I'm saying we really have to traverse in prayer, and we have to dig deeper in prayer. And I've always struggled with that, but you know what? I'm praying, God, keep me up late at night to the point I can't even sleep. My only option is to pray. That's what happened to me last night. Why? Because we, y'all listen, listen, listen. Nothing is birthed in the church without prayer. Nothing. We don't show up on a Sunday and there's a movement of God. No, 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 no. Listen, the Wells Revival that happened in 1895 through 1900, 100,000 Wells, Welsh people were saved. Why? Because an evangelist in Wells prayed for 10 years every day. Lord God, give me 100,000 Welsh souls. 100,000. You know what happened in a decade later? After every single, 365 days a year for 10 years. Do the math. Every day he prayed. And a revival broke out all through Wells. And that's where the Azusa Street Revival came from in America. So not only did he touch 100,000 Welsh, he touched about 50 to 100,000 American souls through prayer. We, church, have to traverse in prayer. Because that is where spiritual battles are fought, and that is where spiritual battles are won. That is where strongholds are torn down. That is where things are bind and things are loosed in the atmosphere. But in order to do that, we have to present ourselves wholly before God. That is why when Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray, he says, first off, be in awe of God and his holiness. Be honored as holy. He says, come to God in a place of reverence to his holiness. Before you pray, Christians, every time before you pray, come to God in awe of his holiness. How set apart he is from evil. How set apart he is from sin. How good he is. And then you enter into prayer. But first, you forgive other people of their sins against you so you then can be forgiven. Do we see that? Do we see how that goes? A whole cycle of holiness? Our prayer is just a cycle of holiness. It's forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness. Honor, honor, honor. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Honor, honor. And it's a cycle. It's a cycle of holiness. But we have to be in a posture of holiness in our hearts. Even, y'all, even when we're dealing with difficult people, and I, I'm telling you, I failed a couple of times last night, but we have to do our best to pursue a standard of holiness and a posture of holiness in our hearts. Amen? Amen? All right, I'm, I'm going to pray for us before we head out tonight. Also, one thing before we pray, um, two things actually. Miss Alberta Fry passed away. That is Brother Lamont and Brother Jim Fry's mother. So we need to be in prayer for the family. We know we love the Fry family. They make up like a quarter of our church. <laughs> we love them. We love them. They've been in this church for years and years and years. We love them. They've served faithfully. We need to be in prayer for that family, real prayer for that family, for healing, to comfort them. But also, Mr. J.R. Wingard passed away today as well. So we need to be in prayer for Miss Melody and Miss Chris. It happened sooner than they thought it was going to um, we need to be in prayer for the family for comfort. Miss Melody is one of the hugest blessings in the world to this church. Y'all, I'm I'm, I'm, listen, when I tell you this, this church would probably fall to the ground if Miss Melody was not here being the backbone, holding together the administrative side of this church. She's a huge blessing. We need to be in prayer. I'm serious, saints. Be in prayer for her. That the Lord restores whatever feels broken and there's just healing in her heart and peace in her mind that Brother J.R. is in a much, much better place now. And his mind is fully restored with a fully restored body. And he's living with Jesus. And what is better than that? He is seeing the glory of God face to face right now. And that is amazing. All right, let's pray. Lord God, I, I thank you for tonight.
Um, I want to start off by praying for the Fry family, Lord God. We just pray for them. We, we pray for healing in their hearts and their minds, Lord God. It's never easy to lose a family member, and we just pray, Lord God, that you give them peace in their hearts and peace in their minds, and just the joy that surpasses all understanding, Lord God, to know that Miss Alberta is now with the Lord. Lord, I also pray for Miss Chris and Miss Melody and the whole Wingard family and the whole Weeks family. Lord God, I just pray that you would, you would touch their, Lord God. You would touch Miss Melody and Miss Chris's minds, Lord God, in their hearts, and just give them joy and give them peace to know that Brother J.R. is no longer suffering, and he's just fully restored and so happy to be with the Lord. And one day they will see him again and that they will spend eternity with him in paradise. So, Lord God, I just I th- I thank you that both of them were believers, that they knew you in a personal way, that when they see you, you will answer, welcome, my good and faithful servants. And, Lord God, I just I, th- I thank you that you are a holy God, that that you are just, you are so good. And that when there's nothing good we can see in this world, we can look to you and you are pure holiness. You are holiness. Whenever we say something's holy, it's only because you were the standard that put it there. So Lord God, I just thank you for who you are. And I pray that every Christian in this room would be emboldened to walk in holiness, that every decision we make, we would strive towards that place of holiness because you are a holy God. And I just pray that we would choose you above our emotions. I pray that we would choose you above our feelings. I pray that we would share the gospel like never before, but that we would walk out the gospel and we would uphold your word above our own feelings, Lord God. No matter what we think, no matter what we feel, we would hold your word and your holiness above and you would be the standard that we strive for. Lord God, I pray that you would just, you would put it heavy on our hearts to pray for this nation. You would put it heavy on our hearts that when someone lashes out against us, that we don't lash out back, but that we pray for that spirit that is attacking them. Because like we talked about, Christians can be oppressed by demonic spirits. So we need to pray for other believers that this spirit of, of offense would lead their minds and would lead their hearts and that they would truly be opened up fully to the gospel. Jesus, please do not let us walk in a place of bitterness and offense, but let us walk in a place of forgiveness and love. So Lord God, I just, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the opportunity that we were able to just look at your holiness, that you are holy. I understand this wasn't just some boom in your face lesson, but I did this so that everyone would take this packet home and they personally would meditate on your holiness. So Lord, I just pray you would touch their hearts and touch their minds and and don't let them sleep. Lord God, I pray they wouldn't be able to sleep this week because they would be so focused on your holiness and so burdened for this nation. They'll probably come back to me on Sunday mad they got no sleep this week. But Lord God, I just pray that you would embolden their hearts to seek holiness and that they would spread holiness to everyone around them and that cross roads would seek your face like never before, both in spirit and in truth, both in the movement of the Holy Spirit, but also in your holy word. Lord God, we thank you that we even have the opportunity to seek your face, that you opened up your family to the Gentiles so that we could come experience your love. In your name I pray. Amen. And I pray that you guys have an awesome week. Thank you, everybody online.